MFs, welcome to another exciting, special edition of the Hustle Like You Broke podcast. This week, a special feature with Paul and Courtney Clemson from the Roadie Clinic. Very excited to hear what they have to say. But first, as always, I would be remiss if I did not bring out my very special co-hosts. The incomparable Christine Dallas coming to us from Miami, Florida, where I understand there is a hurricane currently overhead. Can you hear us, Dallas? I can hear you. I am not underwater yet. Starting to feel like it. We have our friend Etta, whatever. This is like the 432nd storm of the season. Um, This is a pretty heavy year for that, right? Yes, but we are so grateful we have not been hit. Our friends in New Orleans, our friends in Texas, they've been hit, but, you know, and other parts. But fortunately, it's just been a lot of water. Lots and I lots thought this one water. was called Theta. What is it now? Eta, I think. Eta. E T A. Yep. Hmm. I thought they went in alphabetical order. Clearly, Alpha, I need to beta, get my. Alpha, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta. Wow. Sure. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> well, moving on, coming to us from somewhere that is clearly not Miami, Florida, but for those that can't see, it does appear that he is in some sort of nightclub this <laughs> afternoon. He is not wearing his robe and special slippers. I can see that. Uh, much to my dissatisfaction, as of course everyone knows, I do enjoy when my brother Banks is wearing his robe and special slippers. But as always, we appreciate you, Brother Banks. How are you doing today? I am doing all right, you know, making it happen, trying to do my best to, you know, have a good day today. It's going to be interesting. Going to have some fun. And I'm, uh, see, I'm uh, doubling as a gigolo now, based on my background. Apparently, <laughs> yes, the, the lights behind you are flashing red and purple and green and yeah. white and it's uh, it's it's pretty fancy. I think that you're going to have to replicate that for all episodes moving forward. It's it's definitely getting me in the mood, and and I know I can see by the look on his face, our resident militia member Kyle Hamilton oh, is wow. enjoying the lighting <laughs> oh, experience. <member>? Wow! <laughs> God damn! I don't even understand. <laughs> Man, have you rough. been to the range yet today, brother Hamilton? No, taking the day off. <laughs> Wait a second. I'm pretty sure you told us yesterday you hadn't been in two days either. Is there some reason that you're taking some time away from uh, the, the heavy artillery? It's called uh, trigger finger rest. Oh, I see. I see. Well, I do feel like now is the time we actually need a little more of uh, preparation going on among our left-wing militia members just to protect those that are in areas like, say, Niles, Michigan, where who knows what level of, you know, fuckery is uh, going on among the alt-right, but <laughs> I suppose we will get to that before long. Let's not. We're not going to... It's not okay. Let's not. Let's not. Well, Have before we get... <laughs> Before we get to our guest for today, I do want to say we're we're not going to talk too much about politics. We all know the state of the world. We all know the state of COVID. I'm sure it'll come up. I lie. I'm lying through my fucking teeth. Every time I say I'm not going to talk about politics, we usually end up talking about politics. Usually I'm the one who initiates the conversation about politics. But really what I want to point out, as I like to say every week, 
as always, as I tend to do, I was flipping through Polestar this morning, as I do every day, looking for signs of life, looking for signs of reopening. Uh, I did not see acknowledgement of the ESA new uh, revised uh, guidance. I'm, I'm a little surprised because that came out, we are recording today as the 12th, that came out yesterday on the 11th. I'm sure that it will by the time we air, but wasn't there yet. I am always looking for, again, shows. I see virtual. I see drive-in. I see, you know, references to the CMAs and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and all the other bullshit that's been going on, all the self-congratulatory this, that, and the other that people are doing behind the scenes. But I did not see a single mention of a newly announced live concert, which... I suppose in comparison to the announcements we've seen for the arena shows in Kentucky happening before the end of the year is actually a good thing. Not that I don't want people working, but the idea of a live show in Kentucky before the end of the year scares the crap out of me slightly. I did see one reference to a festival announcement. It was actually the change of venue. Disco Donnie. Disco Donnie is actually the one promoter who's done, who was the first, as I recall, to do anything in the drive-in space. He, his, what do you call this? Ubi Doobie Festival is changing venues. It was going to be in Dallas. Now it is going to be in Ennis, Texas, about 35 miles south. Why? The fuck knows? The fuck cares? April 24, 25. The reason I mention it, April 24, 25, is the earliest mention of a U.S.-based festival that is actually supposedly happening in 2021. So let's see where that goes. The announcement says 50% capacity. It says masks required. In light of the guidance from Ticketmaster that we've talked about in the past, we're not going to go back down that road. We're not going to retread that conversation. Kyle, I see you shaking your head already. We're not getting there. We're not going there today. I'm just saying it, it is nice to see some mention of live events. And I'm curious if 50% capacity, master's required, et cetera, is going to be increasingly common throughout what's going on in 21. I'm also, con- I- I'm also curious what the implications are that of that will be in terms of, as Kyle likes to talk about, pay scale, in terms of level of staffing, quality of staffing, uh, who it is that they're going to be roping in that is going to work for a fraction of their usual fees, what that means for backstage hospitality, what that means. I mean, I sure as shit hope that the production vendors are being paid in full so that they can be doing a high-quality professional job. We know that Rigging is an extremely dangerous, uh, extremely dangerous vocation, both for the riggers themselves, as well as for the people that need to stand underneath it. We've heard about the episodes with riggers that rest in peace. Uh, you know, we have 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 fallen to their untimely passing in recent years at major festivals and events. Um, at least a couple of us, Brother Banks, actually, I know you were there 
Brother Hamilton, not sure if you were, I think you were actually, when we had what wasn't actually a rigging incident, it was an automation incident where we had the LED ceiling on the dam tour, which had an automation issue. One day it started moving down when it was supposed to be going up. And we had an artist who was extremely scared for his personal safety in the middle of a show. That's a real thing. So again, We'll see how things work out. We hope that 50% capacity still means high quality. And speaking of people who really, truly care about those that are on the road, I think that's a perfect segue to our guests. So Paul and Courtney, I'm just going to read one little snippet of your bio. I would like you to tell us a little about yourselves, both individually as well as uh, you know, together as the power couple that you are. <laughs> but I found this on your Theory One Productions bio, and I think this summarizes it pretty well. You are a pro audio and production partnership dedicated to the audio engineering, recording, and studio mixing of premier concert performances and multimedia broadcasts in tandem with production management and artist relations services for acts that include Justin Timberlake, the Roots, John Legend, Kelly Clarkson, Passion Pit, and Eric Clapton. A very impressive list. We've also talked about your television experience. Just before the program, we were talking about SNL. We were talking about The Tonight Show. I know the list goes on and on, so I would like you to hear. I would like to hear from you to fill in the gaps just a little bit. But again, our resident power couple, <laughs> our first married couple, I will say again, power couple, Paul and Courtney Clemson. Thank you for being with us. Welcome to the program. Thank you Thank for having you. us. Appreciate it. It's interesting. It's interesting because the list of names that you listed pay us, but the names that aren't listed are the ones that make us. So that's just a little mm. asterisk on the, the, we've been dealing with this time period of launching the roadie clinic, being thrust into the spotlight with, shudders and fear <laughs> we're so used to uh you know all black hiding in the, hiding in the shadows doing our thing you know get in get out fool them again so yeah this time period is definitely uh becoming more visible for us and we are working through it it's terrifying <laughs> get in get out fool them again i yeah. love that phrase i love that phrase but please courtney i don't mean you're, you're starting to say something please let us know your thoughts no, I mean, I'm happy to give you the rundown of how we got to where we are, if that's what you're wanting to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, give us a little bit of that. And then and then let's go back to what you just said, Paul. What what was it exactly you said? The artists I named pay the bills, but it's the ones that don't that make you. Is that what you said? Yes, absolutely. I so want to know what he means, too. So Yeah, I mean, right. Like, so, so, so Courtney, why, why don't you give us, you know, the overview, everything I missed. Tell me how dumb I am and everything that I should have said in place of what I actually said. Oh, I'm totally good with that. But, Paul, then, then I want you to jump back on, on that sentiment Love because it. I'm really, really uh, curious about all that. Well, you read it off of our website. So if you missed it and you're being dumb, then I missed it and I'm being dumb. I mean, that's how that works. Um, yes, we are married and we have been for 17 years, which is very uncommon in our industry, uh, as we've learned throughout those years. So when I met Paul, I was a junior in high school and I thought he was gross for five years, wanted nothing to do with him. But I thought that he was the greatest sound engineer I'd ever heard. <laughs> and that was as a teenager. What did I know? What did I have anything that, you know, mm -hmm. 
Um, so we get through the gross phases. We end up married. Hooray. We get married right out of college and move to Nashville and start doing that whole weekend warrior thing. I got a job immediately at EMI. Um, this was probably minutes before digital music shuttered record labels. Um, so I got in there right before all the layoffs started happening, but essentially my job as his wife was to make sure that we had healthcare because back then affordable care act didn't exist. Um, so yeah, Paul ended up going out with Country Acts. Um, he would work nights at a studio. We didn't see each other ever. Mm-hmm. Um, within about a year and a half, we were just bored and miserable. So we decided to leave Nashville and go to New York City as like children with no jobs. <laughs> um, Paul started working for a composer in New York City who was kind of making his way just doing like the Good Morning America theme song or doing soundtracks for History Channel Discovery. things. Yep. Um, but his world slowly started, cra- like that that whole side of, of the industry started changing and it wasn't as um, monetarily sound for him. Mm-hmm. He encouraged Paul to start looking elsewhere, um, which meant me. <laughs> I got his <laughs> resume ready and we started pushing it out there. And he got a job across the river at Mask Sound in, in East Rutherford. And Mask is, they brought him in to do industrials. Um, while he was there, one of our former students from the college we went to called Paul and asked him to do an audio installation at a church in California. Um, and that's when the light kind of went off in my head. And I created a proposal for Mask Sound. And I said, look, I can start this division for you guys and I can make it profitable. Just hire me. And so they did. Um Right about the time they hired me, and it was always our goal to work together, Paul uh, got a job, got a gig with John Legend in Philadelphia, uh, just kind of bringing the gear and filling in. Wasn't ever planning to go further than that, but they ended up really liking him. Uh, So they took him out on the road for the Evolver tour, uh, for the theater tours. And that was really our first big name outside of country, outside of Christian music. I was diving in the pool. But I was mad because I I, I don't want to work at Mask Sound. I don't care about audio. I don't want to sell audio. What She's is this life that you put me in? Yeah. I ended up sticking there for seven more years, again, because of the healthcare. And that that um, division grew from, you know, that one church in California to by the time I left, we had clients like NYU and Lincoln Center and St. Patrick's Cathedral. And it was, it was really going great. The reason, um, so while he was with John Legend, he got a phone call from a mentor who said, you really need to go get off this tour and go audition at Saturday Night Live. And Paul's like, what are you talking about? Audition at SNL? Why would I? I'm not a, oh, I see. They're starting a new late night show. That's really what it was about, but he didn't know it. Didn't know it. So he jumped off the bus on the Evolver tour, went to SNL, was put in the hot seat that night, Mm -hmm. um, and was essentially being walked around being introduced as Jimmy Fallon's new audio guy, which confused Paul because he had no idea why Jimmy Fallon would need an audio guy. Um, But that started six years for him with Late Night and with The Tonight Show while I was at Mask the entire time. Um, And then, of course, just naturally, he became the Roots monitor engineer as they were the house band. But they were taking a different guy out on the road. um, And it just worked out better that Paul Mm -hmm. filled in. So then it turned into Paul and I not seeing each other from 8 (laughs) a.m. on Monday morning to 8 p.m. the following Monday because he would do Fallon all week. And then on Friday, they would hop on a plane and fly to Europe for the weekend. 
Uh, and those, then those guys know how to gig. Man, <laughs> they know how to gig. The hardest working band is not wrong. They yeah. really they. If there's a day off, they book a show. If and there's a week off, it's a week tour. All well, Kara's got to make her money sometime too, right? Like, <laughs> right. When, yeah. you know, as good a gig as it was for them to pick up S and Fallon, and of course, it's a great partnership made in heaven. If you know anything about Jimmy, you know. Care is also a heck of a booking agent and one of her, you know, best, hardest working acts all of a sudden had very few uh, nights to play. So uh, there it is. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No worries, not at all. But that's where we started to really feel the toll of the industry on our marriage. Um, when Paul left Legend and started living in my house again. I had a mental breakdown. I was married to a stranger. I didn't know him anymore. I didn't understand who he was. Um, he would walk up the steps after Fallon and I would have a panic attack and like go hide in the bathroom and lock the door. Um, that's when I started learning of my own mental health issues. And so, uh, but, but it wouldn't have really come to a head had this not yeah, really happened. Pressure cooker. And that started to kind of open my eyes to what a lot of married couples experience when their partners are gone. Uh, not even married couples, just people who've been together for a long time. Mm. When when you have an, 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 a lengthy separation like that, and it's not just a physical separation, it's it's the inability for Paul to come. Our, our conversations on phone calls was just like, hey, how you doing? Tell me everything. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Life is fine. It was theater, the hardcore theater touring. And the, you know, we did four shows a week Yeah, and then hopped to the next kind of, you know, pocket of shows and Back then, cell phones didn't work, you know, when you're on a bus in a bunk going through the mountains of Utah. That can you hear me now thing. Do they work so now? Real. It's so are they, real. Are they better? Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit better. <laughs> uh, I'll try to speed this up. So he essentially was at the Fallon Show for the six years. He helped build the Tonight Show after after uh, Late Night ended. He was building the Tonight Show. Uh, and at that time, Justin Timberlake's monitor engineer wanted to switch. And so, I mean, I did everything I could to convince Justin's guy to stay put, that he'd be happier on the road, that <laughs> the hours are just long yeah. and hard when you, when you're on, on television, because it's not a hard job. It's like you, you, you're there for 10 hours and you work for three minutes, Yeah, but it's still, you're on point for 10 hours. Yeah. You just never know. Uh, but in the long run, it worked out and they switched jobs. And at that time, the Affordable Care Act had come to be. And so I quit my job and I just started managing Paul full time. Um, clearly not when he was on tour with Justin Timberlake, but Afterwards. that he was only there for six months for the last six months of the 2020 tour. Mm -hmm. And then we were faced with an industry that didn't know Paul as a freelance guy anymore. They just knew Paul as the late night guy. Um, they knew Paul as the roots guy. Mm -hmm. And so how are we going to get any work? when he leaves Timberlake's tour, when nobody knows that that's what he, you know, that he's freelance again. So we moved back to Nashville for a minute. We were miserable every single day that we were there. We were there for about 14 months. He re-entered the country world, um, just started getting to know a lot of people and making it clear that his life was back to freelance. And then of course, trolls came out. And so that, that saved us for a little bit because mm -hmm. he got to do all the trolls promo Sony, stuff. Sony pushed that real big that year, and we did a bunch of appearances. The Oscars, the Cannes Film Festival, mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Man of the Woods happened. Um, great, it, you know, opportunity mm -hmm. turned into a really tough tour. Um, I spent a lot of time in rehearsals with the team, and I spent uh, the summer traveling Europe with them because. Uh, at the time, Paul's dad had passed away. On the day of Paul's dad's funeral, our six-year-old 
nephew dropped out of a brain bleed. Um, and then eight days later, he was supposed to spend the summer in Europe and we were supposed to grieve separately. And that just didn't sit well with me. Uh, so I forced my way on that tour. I was going to take a train everywhere. Uh, luckily, Live Nation heard our story and they had six people on a 14 person bunk. So they allowed me on their bus for the summer. Mm -hmm. um, but that's really where I started listening and I just kind of became the the ear that people would speak to, which I was happy with, happy to do. But that's where I started really taking note of the hardships that come in a family because of the separation. Um, sometimes the danger involved in it. Um, just, just the unhealthy environments caused by both tour life and home life. Uh, so I'm thankful that we had that experience together. Um, and then that ended and it was rough. It was a rough ending mm -hmm. and it caused us to really refocus and figure out our boundaries as a couple in the industry. Uh, and to set clear standards for the next client that would come about, like you will not treat him this way or that way, uh, et cetera. And luckily Drake's team was up to that task. And within a couple of months he became Drake's guy. Um, and that really brings us to the current mm -hmm. in March. We were March of this year. You know, of course we had about five different artists that he was flipping between um, people doing promo stuff, getting ready. And then he was More planning else. on going out with Drake for a world tour and then COVID hit. Uh, and here we are and haven't worked it. Well, you've worked a, a few gigs, few gigs during COVID like times. You, like everybody said before, it's all the asterisk gigs yeah, that and, we've been talking about. And every, so in that time with Paul's career, every artist that he worked for, I slipped in eventually, whether it was a day or two of running or with Passion Pit, I was just filling in for a couple of weeks. Eric Clapton, that was never really a, an actual client. Paul, Paul was hired by Claire to work with him, and I filled in with Eric for a couple of weeks um, for, for another assistant. Camp I'm kind of like a, a fill-in. Um, I can't tour full-time. I have physical issues that just don't allow it. Um, so, it's But it's been good because I've been able to learn in each of those camps and see firsthand what Paul's been talking about, and that's just fueled the research for where we are at the clinic. Mm -hmm. So that's the long and short of the last 17 years of our life. <laughs> Well, it sounds fortuitous that you've really been able to insert yourself into all those tours. I, I don't know a lot of other, I know that there are certainly examples and, and I think at least a couple of us have toured with others that have brought along production manager who will bring along a girlfriend, um, you know, significant other that'll be a, you know, assistant for a few weeks or something like that. But, but that's not very common. And I always, I always admire the family members. It's usually a couple of fathers and sons out there that tour together and, and it's really cool to see, but, but certainly, you know, you're talking about, you know, the fi family dynamics that come with life on the road. And, and I assume that factors very much into the roadie clinic. So, why don't we transition a little bit? And maybe that's where, Paul, the answer to that first question comes yeah. into we'll make it play, to the end. right? We'll get to the very that end we, we, well, or not. I mean, that's how it rolls. But so you form the Rody Clinic. The Rody Clinic, clinic does precede, or at least the, yes. the idea for the Rody Clinic precedes COVID. So it's not just something that's evolved over the last, you know, eight months. Correct. Now, you came to us, I should tell our listeners, by way of Chris. Gratton, who mm. is a guest of ours, who is a friend of the program, a friend of CG. ours, great mm -hmm. production manager himself. Um, I asked him if he was going to be joining us, and he said he actually had a load in starting this he morning. Does. And uh, I said, hey, anybody that we, we don't begrudge anyone that has work these days. Um, 
So we transitioned to Rody Clinic, although I also would be remiss to point out part of the story that you told included what Kaya likes to refer to as the Luya. We uh, ha- like to talk about how Brother Banks here, Brother Banks considers God a close personal client. Um, she has tasked him with uh, opening, what is it, like four or five dozen uh, new uh, facilities across Southern California. He is, he is on a mission from, from God. And uh, God, Brother Banks, do you want to tell us a little more about that? I've been uh, given the task to bring quality sound to these churches that need my assistance <laughs> in this time of need. And I'm answering the call and doing the best that I can to stay busy. Well, she appreciates your efforts. We always like to point out that uh, there are many among us. I myself have not had the good fortune, other than being an altar boy as a kid. Kyle, don't even go there <laughs> with any even. kind of weird to say. I've never actually worked, uh, you know, in churches uh, since then. And unfortunately, I keep threatening to move to Southern California so that Chris can hire me uh, yes, during COVID. If this keeps going, that might Just still happen. Just go to happen. Texas. You'll be fine. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Texas uh, cleared Texas cleared a million COVID cases the other day. Uh, they are among the top ten countries of the world in terms of number of active cases. Oh, I yeah. think I will avoid that. I mean, but thank you for suggesting I subject myself to. You I'm know, just saying, if you want a health. bunch of churches, there's a bunch of they churches there. Tons. I mean, <laughs> put a I, mask I, on, you'd be all right. <laughs> if it, if I wasn't, you know, the personality that I am, though, I, it w- I'd be remiss not to point out that the people behind the Rody Clinic who believe in health and wellness are suggesting that one of our co-hosts, myself, move to the epicenter of the virus. What, what you're I'm getting is, that's totally Courtney's humor. It would, you know, like this is. We came from the epicenter of the virus and we survived. So, what is wrong with you, Matthew Walt, that you think that you can't handle staying safe in that world? We have a COVID compliance officer on the call here in Paul Clemson. We can teach you how to stay safe. It matters well, not. Carry on. Wow, you just hit three topics in one sentence. Wow, wow. I mean, I, I think if I had to delineate the things that are wrong with me, it would run much longer than we have time for today. So we're okay. just going to move away from that. We will save that from another day. But thank you for the additional information. By epicenter, I presume you mean New York City. Indeed. Absolutely. Um, I did notice that your cell phones are Nashville, mm-hmm. but you're website lists your office in New York, mm-hmm. although as I understand it, you have since moved, as I referenced before, to Niles, Michigan, the which is not necessarily a hotbed of right-wing militia nuts, only that you are in a state whose governor was nearly a Abducted by Isn't them. that ridiculous? It is insane. And of course, really, for people who don't know where Niles is, because I had to look it up myself. I've spent a lot of time in East Lansing. I've spent time in Detroit, Ann Arbor. I have family in Kalamazoo. Mm. Um, I've been up and down the, the coastline there. Uh, so I do my, know my way around East Lansing, but or uh, Michigan, but I did not know where Niles was. You are essentially, what, 20 miles north of South Bend, Indiana, so you're yep. really not far over the border from there, from Notre Dame. Correct. Um, and uh, I've, I've also spent some time at Notre Dame. Um, but so the Rody Clinic, your vision is healthy road life, healthy home life. And we did pull a quote, which is a little bit personal about your marriage, but... 
Uh, okay. So you, you've kind of referenced it already. So if you don't mind me reading for our viewers, it says it never got easier. Mm-mm. There was never a season that wasn't rough on our marriage. There was never a balance between gig life and home life. The themes were prevalent for years, exhaustion, isolation, substance abuse, mental health issues, broken marriages, broken families. And the longer we stayed in this environment, the more we saw there were very few services created to directly impact the roadies and even less to help with their families back home. Honestly, we couldn't find one that encompassed everything or even close and I think that really sums it up. I mean, mm-hmm. all of us have spent time on the road. All of us do understand the the hardship that comes with being on on the road. Um, it's definitely I, I find it hard to maintain the relationships with my children, mm-hmm. with my son who doesn't want to talk to me on Zoom. He gets angry with me for being alone or away for long stretches of time. So mm-hmm. it's definitely not an easy life. So. Tell us a little bit about the Roadie Clinic, please. Tell us a little bit, as you started to say again in the beginning, Paul, about the ones that uh, I don't even remember what the phrase was, but tell <laughs> us about it. It's that golden. <laughs> no, um, our, our... No, the artists who... No, I know us. what it is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you, now you've, uh, you've got me off the track. My mind meant to pot years ago. It's not that it wasn't brilliant. It's that I can't remember a fucking thing. So excuse me for that. Uh, no, we just, we just, I've always had a heart for behind the scenes and the people who make the magic happen. I mean, even back in high school and theater, I much rather would have been behind the set than in front of it on, in the spotlight. Um, and the greatest relationships we have are with, with our tour families. Um, this, that's just, it's paramount because it's really all you have out there when you're on these little islands, these little, you know, floating cities that move around. It's, it's the people you're shoulder to shoulder with that have, uh, you know, you have those potent conversations with, they help you out. They, you know, years later, you're still talking to them and, uh, reminiscing about, I mean, there's two roadies that we still text weekly and we did a, a two week run together. Um, and that's, that's where I see the value in this industry right now. You know, it's, it's the people who are going to come back when we're, when we're done with this. Um, and I hope there's more, uh, light shown on the fact that that's the foundation. I mean, yeah, we need the artists to do what we do, but you know, you need, you need this horsepower behind it to do what they do. 100% agree. Go ahead, Courtney. I was just going to, do you want to talk about what you were saying about the artist? The ones who pay us versus the ones that make us. What does that mean? I'm curious myself. Who makes us? <laughs> totally off the rails. I would like you to know too. You missed it. <laughs> now she's holding your feet to the fire. She always does. This is this is the norm. She good manager. To you good manager. I like that. But I'm curious myself. You want to think about it more while I talk Go about ahead, the clinic Courtney. more? Tell them more about the clinic. <laughs> so yes, we did start before COVID hit. Uh, why are you all laughing at me? Oh, that's cool. Uh, just you and me. <laughs> sure. We started before COVID. Uh, we, it was July of 2019 and Paul was doing a show in Sicily. So I thought, Oh, Sicily, it's my birthday coming up. Let's do this. I want to go. Uh, no and big deal. It was every, one-off. Everybody. It was suggested by the production manager that you bring your significant others. Why not? That was definitely suggested. 
uh, a minute before Paul's to go to Sicily, for the first time in our 17 years of marriage, he falls down the steps and sprains his ankle. And he's like got the pelicans. Carrying a board of a rack of out gear that was being shipped to eighth day. Yeah. And this is his first injury. And so, and this is New York City still. Uh, I, I'll tell you more about that transition later. Um, how do you get a giant six foot four man d- out the door into a hospital or to a clinic to get x-rayed. So that in itself was a struggle. But then he also had a gig that day in Central Park. They were doing a gig in Central Park and then the next day jumping on a plane to Sicily. And this was uh, honestly the hottest day in 2019 in New York City. They actually had to cancel the show, but not before Paul with with a cane and a giant ankle hobbled his way to the stage in Central Park. And then that entire crew, when the show got canceled, they ended up coming back to our apartment and just hanging out for the night, which is not uncommon. Anytime there was a crew in New York City at the Beacon or at at, uh, Madison Square Garden, Mm -hmm. even some of the smaller venues, they usually ended up at our house at some point just to hang out and have a home-cooked meal and and rest and get a a breath of fresh air. Uh, So I'm thinking Sicily's going to be great. This is going to be awesome. Within a minute of landing in Sicily, I find out that Paul's going to actually be flown on a jet with the artist to France, and he's going to leave me in Sicily for the first 36 hours that we're there. Well, when we get to our hotel, we discover that it's more of a hostel and less of a hotel. There's hardly any internet. I have no way to connect with him. (laughs) I'm in Sicily for the first time in my life, and now I'm left alone, and I was livid, just like, I am so done with this. And why was there nothing there? I mean, Paul's now injured and he's just going to push forward. Like anybody else in any other job in the world would be would be stuck home, elevating, icing, using crutches, taking a few days off work, but not Paul. Within 20 minutes, he's on his way to a show. So on the way to Sicily, first time in my life, I open up my laptop and I just start writing. And I end up writing a 40-page document about our entire story and what we've witnessed and what we've seen and the struggles that we've we've both experienced and listened to. And uh, I just kind of wrote a proposal for change, like what we could do to help this industry moving forward. Um, And then fast forward to October and we were here in Niles visiting family. Niles is always our happy place. Strangely enough, we lived in New York city. We toured all of the cities. And so we would just come here um, to relax. My cousin breeds puppies. There was always puppies. Why would you not want a puppy to heal from a tour? You know, like, of course, (laughs) and a puppy that you don't have to raise, you can just give back, you know, like kids. So when you're an aunt or an uncle, you just give them back like us. Um, So, yeah, we had come to Niles after that Sicily trip and uh, after a few other things had happened. And uh, there was this building on Main Street for sale. And when we walked through it, it just kind of felt like it was already ours. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when we saw the price tag, it was for a New York City three-story building, it would have been millions and millions of dollars to come to Niles and have it be five figures. I was like, well, looks like we should invest in our future. Mm-hmm. Like this was definitely where the clinic could be. This is this could be the home for our roadies. This could be a home base. And so we bought that building and we hired an architect and we hired our general contractor and we had the whole thing kind of funded um, to an extent to the part that we needed it funded through. And then March happened and that all went away. Um, and then March happened and we were still in our New York city apartment and I have a compromised immune system. And, uh, by March 19, Paul was like, 
we got to get out of here. And I was like, you are out of your mind. Did you take your meds today? (laughs) And when he confirmed that he had indeed taken his meds, I was like, well, maybe I should listen. (laughs) And I said, if you can convince these three women in my life that we need to move today and leave everything and go, we'll go. And uh, within an hour, he had convinced all the women in my life that I fully trust that we needed to pack up everything we had and move to Michigan immediately. And so within 24 hours, we had our New York City apartment packed, loaded in the U-Haul, and we drove to Michigan and we loaded into our building, which was a construction site. And we lived in a tent for two weeks so that we could quarantine to not bring the virus to Niles. Uh, Because, you know, everybody knew that we were the New Yorkers buying, like they knew who we were. They knew who we were already in the city. And I didn't want to be responsible for that because I really didn't know what the virus had been doing here to date. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's what ended up happening. And then we lived with my cousins for six weeks in their basement while they built this apartment for us because he happens to be a general contractor, the same one we're using for the clinic. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been here ever since. So I guess I need to update the website and say that we're no longer a New York City power couple. (laughs) We're just a nice couple one instead. Still a power couple though. (laughs) The other part of that was um, we already had a, a, a staff uh, together at that point, people who were very interested. A few of them came in March, the beginning of March before COVID. We did a demolition the first week. And um, side note of that, uh, the dumpster was rated for <laughs> six tons and a bunch of roadies filled it to 12 tons. In five days. In five days with plaster and lath. Um, we didn't know it at the time. They called us later and like, hey, you have an overage. And come to find out we doubled the capacity of the dumpster by filling it as full as we did. But, um, so we did the demolition and then went back to New York. Um, and then uh, the story continues there, but the people who helped us then kind of got on us and said, cause we were, we were done in March when we moved out here. We were like, I was just it. a sobbing mess in that tent. Yeah. Like this is over. It's never going to happen. You know, and like everybody else's this sucks. like everybody else's story, all the work evaporated in two days, you know, a couple texts and a couple emails and all the outside touring we were doing was gone. Anything I would have taken in New York, broadcast industrials or, you know, uh, Broadway, obviously gone. So that was, that was a big impetus to move. But um, the staff really, there was a few people, key people who pushed us and got us, you know, out of our comfort zone. So putting life back together while building this thing that we don't know what it is, we're self training ourselves on how to operate a nonprofit. Um, Weirdly enough, we got our nonprofit status in two months during this. Mm-hmm. Um, we, have a, we have a great, uh, you know, Le- uh, legal, legal team, team here in Michigan that, that took that on. We've also used for other things moving forward from that. Um, but they're the ones who pushed us. It was uh, Candace uh, Rooks and Mike Fialo. Uh, Mike's a security guy. Candace has done every job under the sun production-wise, uh, wardrobe up to production to assistant, to your manager for Willow. Um, they got on and they're like, we need to do this. Now's the time. And they're like, um, excuse me, Courtney, you need to put on your big girl pants. Yeah, and stop that was crying one of the conversations. Because this is your life now. Just accept it and let's build this thing. And from there, we just kept finding people who loved the idea. And um, so, you know, three months, uh, every time we'd meet somebody like, well, we don't know who you are. So then she comes with the idea of this awareness campaign to just spread the word as far as we could. And the idea just kept catching fire until we had some pretty big names show up to the to the campfire. And, and it was like, wow, this is real and this is serious. And we're not far off. Um, the Since she wrote the, the kind of thing last July, the base ideas have not changed. And it's a lot. We see people kind of glaze over when you give them the full gamut. But then the third or fourth time they come back, uh, people are on fire. Um, uh, 
John Ostrin, one of my good friends, he took over monitors on um, John, John Legend. Legend back in 2000, when I took over Fallon in 2008, 2009. Uh, he's made that job his career gig. He, he's, he just handles everything audio for John, is on top of it. He's, he's got that old school, like you check the wedges on stage 25 times before the band comes in. Um, I learned so much from him up through the years, just from that kind of old school mentality of, you know, when someone walks up to a mic, it's gotta be right from the first syllable. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of like stagecraft that I learned from him. Um, and it's all instinct. You just watch him work and you're like, Oh, that's, you know, you know he doesn't teach you it. You just watch it. Uh, Austin jumped in. Um, and he's a type of guy, he's got to mull things over. But when I know he came back, he I was mean- like, he was actually the first person we spoke to in Sicily. Yeah, in Sicily. Back to Sicily. Because uh, I got off the plane and I was just angry. And then Paul left and I was even more angry. And J.O. was sitting there in Sicily at the restaurant that I went to. And I just kind of pulled up to him and I'm like, Wait, yeah. When she says I left, I was sent to another gig via private jet because J- J.O. had to stay behind at the current gig we were at. So That's true. <laughs> it wasn't like I left her. I, I was sent away at the moment. And at the time, J.O. was just kind of listening yep. and you know smoking and like well it might work it might not we'll yeah. see but fast forward to today and he's running our sobriety programming he, we've started a roadies in recovery uh, it's a weekly meeting so far for all addictions mm-hmm. uh on zoom and he he told us just a few weeks ago that this has completely changed his life the opportunity to yeah that that was that's something uh we we, we got um a grant early on from pama we've had a few professional audio, audio manufacturers, manufacturers alliance, alliance. Um, great people. Uh, Sennheiser's part of it. Uh, Mike uh, Diaz from IEM ITO was the one who kind of was in your monitor international trade organization. He was pushing us out there. He was like, this is an idea. We'd, I'd spoken to him even before COVID um, just off per chance because of the IEM connection. Um, and I think it was from KG from JH who connected that connection to Mike. It's just how it's been, as we know, in this industry. Uh, it's who you know. Um, but uh, Mike pushed us out there and Pama gave the clinic the first donation of, uh, of money and said, we want to give this to roadies in this time period. We'd love for you guys to do it. And when we started, like we, Courtney did one, I did one, Candace, uh, Candace did one, and Mike did one. And that was like when it really clicked, like that first time helping somebody out and seeing what it does to change their life. I mean, I've had it before. We both grew up in Christian homes. Uh, her mom's a pastor. Mom was a pastor. Grandpa's a pastor. Uncle's a pastor. So I get that stuff. We get it. Um, we're we're kind of church 2.0. Um, less buildings, more people. Um, I see. I see Chris there uh, smiling at me, <laughs> Mr. Banks. But um, yeah. it was now when it was like, wow, we can really make a difference in people's in in our family, roadie industry families' lives. Um, that's that's when it got really super serious and kind of everybody who's joined us and has done something like that you see them come back like a week later just even more on fire to, to jump on either you know just making progress in any area we can and the the result of that we have about 30 people volunteering for us right now which is mind-blowing, mind-blowing. to say there's um, stuff it's weird that there's stuff happening now right now uh, that will show up on the internet that we had nothing to do with. Nothing. <laughs> but it's still part of the umbrella of the roadie clinic. Yeah. You know, I'm laughing my ass off right now because clearly you guys have done these before. I feel like, you know, we could all just go take a break and you guys could just keep <laughs> yeah. going, kind of play no, off you, each you other. You were pulling and, away and at the beginning. This, you were pulling and all then the way. That, and then, I mean, you've already answered like two thirds of my questions and I haven't even fucking asked them. 
So sorry. And, <laughs> no, no, it's 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 fantastic, and it's great to hear. Obviously, there is a need for this. Again, we've all been on the road, so we uh, we've seen firsthand. I wanted to ask you if there was like a first at time or an incident or an impetus. Courtney covered that. You know, you talked years. about your staff. So you're talking about Candace and Mike, and you're talking about all these volunteers. I'm getting the impression that you guys are actually from or from Niles or the vicinity of Niles, which you keep calling a city, but I just looked up the population using the handy dandy Google and it is a city of 11,000 people. So it is a very small city. It's funny. Cause it's, it is um, <laughs> when we were closing, the realtors were like, how can we help? I mean, the city has just rolled out the red, the mayor, <laughs> mayor, Nick, like, he has <laughs> so Mayor Nick, of course. Mayor Nick. He, Mayor Nick, who works for his family's farm market on Eleventh Street, uh, who also lets us use his loading dock when Yamaha wants to send us twenty nine guitars to you know <laughs> upcycle, upcycle for, uh, for to sell for the clinic purposes. That's like, the beauty of having. We don't plan on just having the clinic in Niles. We do want to have a location on the West Coast, a location on the East Coast. Vegas, so Atlanta, we'll, we'll get there, but I never, ever want to have it in a big city because that's where we tour. That's where we work. That's not where we need to heal. And also, it's not fiscally responsible. Like, I can get a building for 50 grand in a small town. I have to pay a million bucks minimum, and that building could be a pile of garbage in New York. Yeah. So, yeah. So there you go, answering my questions again (laughs) as you're talking about the expansion. And and honestly, we did a college event uh, where we spoke as the podcast uh, the other night and people were and one of the questions asked of us was, how do we get active? How can we get involved in the music business? What can we do? And it sounds like you guys are a perfect example of, you know, even if you don't have substantial experience, but you're looking to make connections and you're looking to get engaged and involved and learn about the business, you know, start in your backyard, look for those organizations that are local. You don't have to be to the point you just made in a big city, mm-hmm. yeah. there are opportunities in interesting places. And so I, I love your, you know, what you're talking about. I, I'm curious, one thing you haven't actually covered, amazingly, <laughs> is, you know, it, when it comes to opening, I assume the plan is, I, I assume, I read on your website, the plan is to open in 21. Um, I would assume the expansion plan will roll out organically, but it would sound like the need, we know the need is substantial. I'm curious how many people you'll be able to take in. You know, I'm curious, you know, when you anticipate that happening. And I'm also curious, you know, this is a great to have kind of a refuge off the road, but Mm -hmm. what is it that you guys are doing for people when they are on the road? Mm -hmm. So COVID, you know, XP, COVID sped this up quite a bit, uh, obviously being, you know, pushed to start in March. We had planned on taking the, the, this year and next year to build the building, to, to work on that self-funding through touring. Um, so immediately after awareness was the programming, like what are the services? Um, physically in Niles, the building has five suites. Um, there is opportunity to expand to a building next door. Our goal for Niles would to be able to house an entire tour bus, 13, 12 and a driver. The kitchen and dining room in the first floor that Courtney is going to build is called Table 13 because you can have 13 people from a tour bus. That was kind of the goal. Um, 
hybridly, if there's not a tour bus, then, you know, single units of family or a single roadie who needs to just bridge a week or two to get to the next gig, doesn't have anywhere to go type of thing. I, I experienced that in my life. Families who are back home. Families and are back home that need to come in and just... Frustrated, don't understand the environment that all of you guys are in. So besides the physical building itself, having people come and partaking in services, uh, part of picking Niles is there's a 24-hour gym on the corner. There's a yoga studio down the street. Again, we're friends now after the last six months with all these owners. And we explain the thing and they're like, yeah, let's do a discounted pass for the roadie clinic to because so uh, the, the gym actually is a key card 24 hours. So you go when you want. Uh, there's a bike path that starts here, ends in South Bend. There's no, it ends further. It's further 20, 24 mile long bike path along a river. Two doors down from us is a bike shop. Awesome owners. Hey, let's keep two bikes, four bikes on reserve. So uh, the idea is to have this list of um, kind of a la carte services. So those are the activities. But then inside the building, we have two um, therapy suites. Our therapist's office that we've partnered with is across the street from us. Um, and she is fully into this. I just 100%. have to speak on her for a Go second. Go ahead, please. Her name's Kim. We She found us. Uh, a lot of Pretty a much everybody has found us lately because of all the articles and podcasts. And this and the other. We're, we're the breaks on the whole thing. And then most of the rest of our team are the, the forward, <laughs> the speed and the energy. So Kim found us and it turns out that uh, she works in the Michigan prison systems and she has the power of a judge. So it, she works primarily with sex offenders and drug and alcohol offenders. And so if they're in group with her and she's discovering lies or that they're just not ready or this, that, if she says go back to prison, they must go back to prison. She tells the judge whether or not they're ready. On the flip side, she's also married to a traveling musician. She's been in this world for a long time. So nothing scares her. Mm-hmm. Nothing is outside her realm of understanding. And she fully understands, you know, our world. And that's super important. We couldn't shock her. Nothing. You know, which is huge because in my life, it's usually four therapy sessions before the person figures out I can't sleep regularly. It's so, not an option. Don't tell me to sleep regularly when my job ends at one in the morning. We wanted to set this, the therapy wing of our program up to where it's expedient and potent. Um, and it's, it's feels real good. Like we've, we've, we've been putting it to the test, um, both internally and a few externally, and it's going very well in that aspect. Let me just go high level for you. So what are we offering people on the road? We have five pillars that we're working with here. It's, it's healing and that's things like therapy. And we are working with backline.care as mm-hmm. well as our own local team. Mm-hmm. Backline.care has over 120 clinicians nationwide and they've vetted each one of them to make sure they actually understand the music industry, whether they've worked in it themselves, they've been married to somebody in it, they've been related, whatever, they understand music business first and foremost. Um, they're nationwide. And so that way you can get plugged in with somebody in your home state that you can continue to use, whether you're on or off the road, they're all willing to meet like this virtually. Um, and it's just a great system that they've already got set up. So we're not going to reinvent that wheel. We will have a local team ready, but uh, if you need something on the road, it'll either be um, backline.care or tour support, which I haven't I haven't spoken to them yet, but I also know that that is a, a nice resource for that. She's been picking through just every organization out there. The word for Courtney that she's had in this season is hub. So to make the clinic a place where 
we're going to get you plugged into something until we have, you know, a larger footprint, but we're also going to follow up with that and make sure you're getting the care you need and getting to an outcome you need. And if you're not, we're your advocates. We'll, we'll fight for you until you do. So there's healing and that's, that's therapy. That's, um, helping take care of family members. That's, Mostly the lofts and here, what we're doing here, local Tanayos. Then there's family. We're going to be doing partner support groups and kids support groups. I think the kids stuff should be, we should have hubs in LA, Nashville, New York, like some, some hot spots for our music families. But also if it's a bigger tour, it'd be great if we could connect kids within that tour. Like, Hey, my parents are on the same tour that your parents are on. Isn't this great? Let's, let's do a fun little service project and send it to the bus or whatever it is, but let the kids know that they're valued and that they're a part of the tour and we see them and we love them. Um, we'll just be offering ideas on communication, better, better, better partner communication, things that people don't think about like virtual date nights. Paul used to do, he used to order takeout for me on a Friday night and I would order takeout for him to be delivered at the hotel. We never knew what we were going to get. And then we'd put each other up on, on FaceTime and watch, watch something on Netflix and enjoy our dinner and a movie. Um, just little things like that, fun ideas that can help those partnerships remain. The greatest part about all these ideas is, um, the people who show up, the 20 people who showed up or how many bring all this things with them. And we've been told things that we're doing that we haven't even discussed yet, but fit completely into it. So the lore kind of outgrows <laughs> the reality sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've done family and healing and human resources. Uh, we've got a legal team ready. We've had, we've had some legal issues with, with people to just help make sure that they're, that they're safe. And as we've grown, it's all been case by case. Uh, somebody knows somebody and gets us in contact with them. And then we do our best with, you know, the, the resources we have at the moment to get that resolved. Um, it's obviously not a fully oiled system, but we've, it's been, we've been taking a lot of pride in making sure that it doesn't, nothing slips through the cracks with what we can handle. So that's legal services. We have, we have several different teams of lawyers kind of ready to assist anybody that might need it. Uh, we have a team of professional human resource people that are building our own internal HR guidelines. And then we'll just see how we can take that and offer it as counsel to anybody that that might want it for their own businesses, for their tour, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. Um, we'll have, we'll have women's services in that. Candace is going to be heading that up. We'll also have LGBTQ services within that. These are things that are still being ironed out or else I'd give you, give Mm -hmm. you more detail. Uh, then there's the finance wing. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard yet about no roadie left behind. This is a new organization. They're fantastic. Cheryl Hall, Quake, and oh, I'm going to blank on the last name. Yeah, me too. Anyways, two accountants that have that have continued their education in the COVID season, and they're coming out with a new finance service that's free of cost, and they'll cover everything from how to invest to making sure you have a will to making sure you have the right insurance, um, whatever you need. They'll give you free consultation, and then they'll help connect you with the right people. So we'll be utilizing their services. In the same way we utilize backline.care for, for mental health, but then we'll also have um, local, everything that we're doing to help people on the road will also be available here. So we'll be working with No Already Left Behind for the bulk services, but we'll also do individual, oh, Chris, Kevin Christopher is the third person that started No Already, thank you, yes, No Already Left Behind. Um, so even just, even just how to budget, you know, so many of us just start on tours at 19, 20 years old. We hardly know how to balance a checkbook. Retirement's not something that we think about. 
Um, like even um, I have little dreams that 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 I'm the creative, she's the realist. I squash them. So she pops the bubbles. But even one where like, how about a weekly uh, fund you can donate to with uh, fifty bucks your per diem a week that goes into a savings account or an investment, and then when you get done with the tour, you got you something you can see. Egg. Yeah. So that was finance. I'm forgetting the fifth pillar because my brain is fried, but we, we have many, many a service, many a resource, things that are already going, things that are we're building. Um, and really what we always say is just come to us. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you're struggling with. Let us know what your problem is. And we're going to find a solution. We're going to, we're going to, we know somebody somewhere that will be able to help you. And if we don't, we'll find it. And that's the exciting thing is, is when uh, we have weekly uh, staff meetings and the few, like most of them are pretty you know, there's not much movement. The people have talked to who they've been able to talk to. There's usually one like big highlight, but it's been cool when there's an immediate need and everybody jumps into action and it's a bunch of roadies. We're going to figure it out. You know, like we take nothing and make something happen. And every time it's like just so much pride to see everybody come to the, to the table and be like, I got this, I got this, I got this. And it's just the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Well, we've talked about so many of these services ourselves in terms of the need for savings. I think in the very first episode we did, Chris, you were talking about an organization that was trying to, you know, uh, aggregate some of these services uh, and and introduce financial services. And we've talked about, you know, whether there needs to be advocacy boards or, uh, you know, people that are really, you know, doing, frankly, the things that you guys are talking about. It, was that fifth pillar recovery or did yes, I Yes, thank you. Okay. <laughs> it's been running so smoothly, we forget about it. We and honestly yeah. forget about it because it's just so easy. And we already spoke about that. We have yeah. our weekly roadies and recovery meeting. Um, yeah. We're working on a, on a, how do you say, a confidential network, if yeah. you will. I know be in recovery, you, you want to be anonymous and I understand that, but there are some people that they'd like to know who else is in recovery on tour so they can have a buddy. And so we're going to start that kind of a database for the people that are interested in being on it so that when the time comes, we can cross network people on tour. And like, you know, phase three is to have an app where all this is available instantly and quickly and, yes. you know, a secure login area. And when things, be, when programs become even more potent you know places where people can go into and be like hey how's my investment doing or how you know who can i connect with in atlanta to go get a meeting or who's around to say hi to when you're in la and you know it's just all these things that we could pop into a simple app and be done with it apps aren't simple but yes that is something uh and then also with recovery we're working on gathering stories um Mm -hmm. i just think it's powerful when you can read or listen to the story of an addict especially one that also tours um, and so we've started gathering those. I don't know if it'll be in a book form or if it'll be an online thing, or if it'll be kind of like, like the calm app where you can just turn on the app and listen to stories of other people on the road that could just give you some encouragement. And that'll even expand out into the non-recovery side. Um, I want to do a history corner of that, you know, get everybody with 30 plus years to just, just to get the stories collected because there's so many of them. And that goes back to the names not on the list make us. And it's, it's oh. like, it's like I was doing the work while she was working. He was huge in the direction of my life at that point. Um, fast forward to like, I mean, there's just so many faces that pop up when it's like, this person made me. So what this you're saying is the me. artist paid the bill, but the people that they hired are what made us. Yes. Copy. Now I get it. Yes. 5-1 was beautiful in your career. Yeah. Um, 
David Scaff, Scaff, U2's modern engineer. He, he helped me with some very crucial points. One was trust your gut. Uh, that was the decision between Fallon and Timberlake. He's like, you know what you want, trust your gut. And like moments later, hung up and and called the tech manager and said, here's what's going on. Yeah, there's a lot of people like that. Not not a lot, actually. Uh, I Mary Filardo from back in the day up through now. She's a Claire she's Brothers. A Claire Brothers uh, at do everything. Like she does everything. She's the glue over there. Um, she's on our board. She's phenomenal. Yeah, there's just all these names that pop up that have the huge effects in our lives. And it boils down to the guitar tech next year because, you know, in 10 years, he's going to be the tour manager. And you just don't know. But that's the person that you got to, like, invest in. Well, it sounds like you guys are making a huge personal investment. And it sounds like there are a lot of people that stand to benefit. We, again, we, we all know the stories. We've all you know, been on the road and it seems there's a huge void in the market that you guys are filling. I, I think we've talked a lot about coming out of COVID. You know, we've talked uh, uh, with any number of people about, you know, the importance of coming out of COVID better, stronger, healthier, you know, more focused on those of us that are doing the work behind the scenes. And and you guys are definitely, you know, contributing to leading that charge. Uh, certainly, we'd like to hear how our listeners can get involved. And, and also, I would like to hear, I, I'd like to hear about, you know, what if any lobbying efforts are being done, whether by you or on your behalf at the local level, the state level, the national level. We, we had Strickland on the program recently, so we talked a, a little bit about what he's been doing. And, you know, without taking anything away from him, I think his efforts have been fantastic. But there's just so much more that needs to be done. We need, this industry needs, you know, a half dozen Stricklands or more that are advocating on on our behalf. And not just now, not just for funding, but for always, for just, you know, again, for the betterment of the industry, for the betterment of humanity for people that are struggling with mental illness, that are struggling with just any kind of health issues, any kind of addiction issues, any kind of depression, in anxiety, etc. So, talk to us about about any lobbying that is going on or or could be, and uh, don't don't fight each other for who's going to talk first. Obviously, no, I don't Courtney think he wins, knows this obviously. part. Courtney, I don't please. think he knows this part. So what you need to know is that the way our nonprofit is set up with our legal team, we're legally not allowed to do any of that work. Yes. We would have to set up as a separate entity yes. outside of the clinic if we were to actually get in the government's face and start lobbying. But Go. <laughs> the biggest thing we've found in this entire period is data. Um, just the other day, we had a roadie contact us because he needed some data on, on on how big this is to the industry for um, a paternity case, uh, just a, a family court family case. court case. And someone reached out to us and said, "Hey, do you have data?" And it's like, "Well, we have this figure. It came from another organization." She went back and asked them where it came from. It worked out great that it was it was able to be used, uh, hopefully. But um, I want to like start collecting data as much as we can. We'll obviously have an intake form on a, on a singular level, but above that to start, you know, some sort of task force that starts collecting data. And I get that the entertainment industry is very hush, hush, quiet, and we keep uh, things to ourselves, but the clinic wants to kind of stay as Switzerland and start pulling companies, sound companies, lighting companies, productions 
tours to collect data on this because it will help all of us to become a better industry, a stronger industry. And it doesn't take away from anything. It doesn't, it's, you know, let's not get into the mask debate, but you know, like this is something is that there will help Is there a debate us. about masks? Wait a second. Just, is there a debate saying. about masks? In the Midwest there is. Yeah. Not in our family. Mm, okay. Yeah, don't don't get us started. The point is, <laughs> the point is, we will be the fa- we'll be the we'll be the data on the back end that the people need to take to yes to do that work. So we are not Strickland's ourselves. Uh, there needs to be more. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, but we'd love to give the ammunition to them. And there are others that have some of that ammunition coming. Like yep. there are others that are that haven't really come out yet to to, to share their results. And because there are people doing doing surveys right <clears> now, uh, thrive. Uh, tour health resource initiative. Yep. Uh, they, Ryan, Ryan George. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, I think Music Cares might have. Uh, uh, they had a smaller one. Is it? Yep. Um, surveys. So it's starting. Yeah. We're all kind of in the beginning phases of figuring out what is necessary to make change on a government level. Yep. That's all we can do is keep trying and keep mm-hmm. moving forward day in and day out. And if our ideas don't work well then we just we we find experts who have better ideas and we and we carry forward mm-hmm. that's all we can do well i think the word hub which you used courtney is is very appropriate here i i appreciate that um did you say what else we could be doing for our listeners to get more involved i did not say that yet so mm-hmm. um the way we're handling it right now if you if you want to be involved you, you got to tell us what it is that you, that you want um, people say how can i help well, there's a lot of stuff out there. Read about us, research us, and see what it is that, that strikes a note with you. The website. And so at that point, then send us an email at info at theroadyclinic.com so that we can figure out who within our team is best for that yes. person to speak with. Um, and, and we'll go from there. So that's really the best way. Send an email at info at theroadyclinic.com or reach out to us on socials. Everything is at theroadyclinic.com. Um, what it really is, I think, for future is that – I would love to have a representative of the clinic on every major tour and not somebody that's paid by the tour by any means, but just somebody who has worked with us, who knows our vision, who understands our task um, within the industry and can just be a representative, Mm -hmm. somebody that everybody knows if you need something, go to them and they can reach home base and we can go from there. I couldn't agree with you more on that, actually. I I have a business model myself that I've been working on, which effectively has one such person included among the core personnel on every tour. Um, For all of the reasons you're talking about, we're very much aligned in in our vision there. So I really appreciate you guys being on the program. I I, I would love to keep going for a long time, but I really feel like we've covered a lot. There's a lot to be absorbed to take in. Um, clearly you guys are kind of a well-oiled machine in terms of your (laughs) approach to knocking out the questions before they even get asked. But we do always have a series of quick hits that we ask all of our guests before they go. You can answer these either individually or as the power couple that you are. I will say that at least once or twice more before we wrap here. The power couple. Um, (laughs) We'll let you down. (laughs) <laughs> your first tour what was it uh, um mine was uh this uh shoot it was uh jenny varnado with stereo deluxe it was a, one of those packaged christian where there's like six bands playing the whole night and uh my friend as when i moved to nashville my friend walked in the place i was staying he's like what are you doing I was like well i moved to nashville he goes 
uh, we just lost our sound guy, but we can't pay you because we paid the other sound guy everything at the beginning. <laughs> Kyle's shaking his head. He totally gets this. Um, sounded bad like, in the first place. Now it's sounding even worse, but keep going. Uh, he said you could sleep on the bus and eat catering. I was like, sounds like a good deal. That's one of the five years when I thought he was gross. That was part of that. He was super gross. But it, it turned into uh, <laughs> trying out to mix Front House for my friend's band. And then the other four openers walking up and being like, can you mix us too? And merch money came a thing from that deal and that was the start Careful, of it. Careful, you might have to pay taxes on it. They know. <laughs> My first tour uh, was as the artist in high school. I spent the summer on the road with like a praise and worship band. Wait, then that'd be my first tour because I mixed it. You did not. You were <laughs> Wait, not that? on that van. It was I, me. It was Chad Jewett. And that all was those. me. You were I not in the van with us. We slept on a church floor somewhere. The whole summer? You were not with us the whole summer. We couldn't afford you. I didn't know. I was a student. I don't know. That was my first tour. We'll find pictures. I'm going to leave it at that. Conflicting information about whether you actually shared a van for an entire summer. I think think you guys are going to have to uh, talk to somebody about this and maybe mine some of your resources. (laughs) Good luck with that part. Let's move on. Let's move Uh, on. (laughs) Favorite moment, tour, experience, or otherwise in your careers, what would that be? She was running a festival in college. I really liked her. We were kind of talking, but uh, she was running it. She brought this festival. It was a student-run festival, double the size of the town. Um, I mean, Michael Michael W. Smith played it one year. I went to it as a junior hire. But she ran it, and she popped me on a four-wheeler and we with their little radios hanging on her. And okay, be clear. We were engaged at that point. Oh, we were? Yeah. Wow, there we go. Uh-huh. So fuzzy back then. But she ran me to the back of the audience, <laughs> way kind of in the back of the property, and we could see the entire thing. I wanted to make out. And, but she was like, look what I built. And I was just kind of like, who is this woman? <laughs> I need this forever. <laughs> My Aww. my biggest that's really sweet, honey. I, I don't believe you at all. I think like pants, rock and yeah, Rio. Pink pants I did on. Have pink quarterway pants. Rock and Rio was cool. And we did change over in 14 minutes between Alicia Keys and Justin Timberlake with a line check. 14 minutes. No it's, way. it was a good career. It's a good career. No way. Yeah. Mm, it's true. My favorite gig, uh I feel so stupid talking about it. It was the first episode of the Tonight Show in New York City. I was hired as the production manager to put you two on the roof in February. And it's one of those stories where it's like there was literally two huge snowstorms three days apart, the one right before load-in and the one right as load-in was starting. And we had to bring in heaters and it was... So many challenges. It was so many challenges. It was the most rewarding though. So good. Something I'm the most proud of it. She was um, on the roof. They were rehearsing, camera blocking, two in the afternoon. And it was the first time, it was the first run through where we were getting the, the helicopter cam going, which she had to coordinate as well. It was the news chopper that would go up and just take a shot towards 30 Rock and go back down while they were doing other things. Well, we had to have them ready to go for the actual news. Right. Yeah, there was a window. And so I'm in the studio uh, working with the roots and doing the bump through. And then it's like, let's throw it to the roof during rehearsals. And the you know the director's calling it. I can hear the director in my in-ears. And I'm following along with the program and just having hanging out and it was like camera one camera one cool bono camera two camera two edge and then this would be where the helicopter cam is and it turned on and it was just like this release because we had been building the tonight show while doing late night and all those things are going into it and then she comes on to do the gig and it's like balancing kind of that here's my wife now in this new group of people even though she knew the roots already so that's most of the floor at fallon but it was just like this kind of like joyous release to see the skyline of new york city the project you're working on 
it was just like, okay, this is all bigger than any of us right now. Well, it's cute the way you finished the story about her favorite moment. <laughs> Listen, I was 17 when I met him and I'm 39. Like, it just, what do you expect? <laughs> it's a very impressive, very impressive. Okay, my favorite question every week. You guys have already touched on so much. I can only imagine what else you might add. But if there is any one thing about the industry you'd like to see us doing better... What is it? Taking care of each other. Yeah. That's it. I mean, it really, that's what it boils down uh, to. There's so much distrust and so much paranoia. Yeah. And so, and, and it really isn't even based in truth. Yeah. Um, people are just, af- there's so talk. much fear just about losing your gig. If I lose this gig, then what? And so what am I going to do to make sure I keep the gig? My entire attitude with that was if someone doesn't want me here, I can, I can easily go do something else. I want to be collaborative. I want to be, I want to, I want to give 110%, uh, you know, whoever's downstage center, 200 people, 2000 people, 20,000 people, whoever's downstage center, that is your focus. And everything else can't be put aside. just has to be handled beforehand. Um, I talk about in this time period, unpacking a lot of those things that I've cauterized over the years, like holidays, birthdays, weekends, deaths, deaths. Like we've actually focused on having nothing happening on Saturday and Sundays. And we've only been able to do it two weeks in a row now. I mean, it's taken eight months to reprogram to make me more domesticated, you know, like I used to do the dishes for fun coming off the road because it's something normal. And it's, you know, and now it's like, Dang, it takes a lot to keep the house going. <laughs> you know? Every wife With is two like, of yes! us in the background. But just kind of kind of digging through all those things you've cauterized over the years and planning to to be able to handle those things when when we get back into the jet stream again. It's going to go fast. It's going to go so fast. And I'll, for one, I was out of shape with the first thing I did back a weekend, I was tired. Oh, wreck. Not only physically, but emotionally, mentally. The focus was, you know, like pretty shot after five hours when 16 hours was a normal day. This was just like a month and a half ago, you guys. And he came home to me as broken as his very I mean, there was a lot story. of other stuff going on. But definitely in the gig, it was like, there's going to be some whiplash first week out. <laughs> oh, first, is, first six yes. months out. Not just yeah. first oh, yeah. week. Oh, we, we've talked about this needed. conversation. I, I had this conversation with Grattan. I've had this conversation with a bunch of people about just muscle memory. Yeah. And, yes. so, you know, the, the, the fatigue and the just the, the time it's going to take to get back in, uh, in into the swing. It's, yep. it's, it's real. Truth. But, it, you know, the reality is, is if we can get the mental health game under control for our community and if we can all release the shame and the embarrassment and just speak truthfully about who we are and what we want, well, then that just brings the safety level of the whole crew and team and show into more focus. Mm-hmm. And everybody is more alert and more on top of things and working better as a team. Um, and I would just love to see the negativity, the toxicity, especially within certain leaderships. There mm. are some there are some people but, oh. in high places that are abusive and shouldn't be there. Um, and so it's just an overall health focus. If 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 you do one thing right, the 
the after effects of that in terms of overall safe safety and health both. And if he's healthy and safe in his gig, then I can rest easy at home when mm-hmm. I'm not there with mm-hmm. him. And that's a big deal because if I can rest easy at home, then I can speak to him with kindness and with grace and with understanding and with compassion. And that will just fuel him to do a better job. Whereas if he comes to me broken and screaming at me and bitching and moaning about the same things over and over and over again, well, that just makes me angry here at home. And that makes me want to pull him off the tour, um, among other things. So yeah, it, it's health. Health is what we'd like to see change on a, on a big, big level. <laughs> well, on that note, you guys have been fantastic guests. We appreciate you. Do you have any final words, any parting shots or shout outs? Our team, our team has been awesome. They show up every day. There's 30 of you, so we will not take the time to announce every one of you, but you know who you are. They show up every day with uh, fire and compassion and ideas. That's what keeps us going. And the point is, for all of you listening, those 30 people, for for those 30 people, there's hundreds more like them. Mm -hmm. And we are coming together and we will be successful at taking care of you guys. I have no doubt you will be successful. Paul and Courtney, thank you so much. Rody Clinic, everybody check it out. Find them. Where where can they find you online? www.therodyclinic.com. Instagram's there. at The Rody Clinic. Same with Facebook. There it is. We will be posting your resources in our resource center. We'd certainly love to have you back here about how it's going, hear more about all the services that you're offering. Before we go, Christine Dallas, any parting shots from you? Just hope Georgia can count properly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. By the time this airs, I certainly hope that's a foregone conclusion. Kyle Hamilton. Stay hydrated. Yeah. Brother Banks. Wear your mask. All of the above, so much more. Thank you to our listeners. As always, we appreciate you. Again, Paul, Courtney, you guys have been amazing. Rody Clinic, we are with you. We appreciate you. you. We uh, look forward to having you back on the program again one day soon. And until that time, to everyone, we say thank you and good night. Good night.